Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Euroactive debate, where we'll be talking about data-driven actions as the key to deliver sustainability in the EU dairy sector. My name is Dave Keating. I'm a journalist based in Brussels, and I'm coming at you live from the Euroactive studios at the heart of the EU quarter. Now, today we'll be talking about how data in the dairy sector intersects with all of the, the focus that the European Union is putting right now on sustainability in agriculture. We know that the current EU agri-food model is going through a radical change. The need to feed a growing population is putting a lot of demands on the industry. Uh, and also the industry is being asked to increase its sustainability. The main EU policy response to this has been the farm-to-fork strategy, which is one part of the Green Deal, which is the overarching policy framework uh, that was put forward right at the beginning of the tenure of European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. The farm-to-fork strategy aims to make food systems fair, healthy, and environmentally friendly. Now, the dairy sector is taking steps to reduce the climate and environmental impact of dairy products from farm to fridge. And to ensure these solutions have a tangible, measurable impact and to fine-tune the effectiveness of these solutions, organizations have started to adopt data-driven approaches. Through the use of data, dairy farming can be optimized to reduce CO2 emissions and minimize the climate impact of farms. Farmers can now collect data on herd size, milk volumes, and feed usage. They can also calculate the level of greenhouse gas emissions and identify where there is room for improvement. They can also use data to develop new science-based solutions to address climate change. Using data also makes it possible for farmers to identify areas where sustainable practices can be implemented or improved. But there is more to do, and there are some challenges ahead. The next challenge will be how to use this knowledge, all of this data that's being gathered, in an effective way to improve policymaking and how best practices can be shared and data-driven approaches can be shared to drive sustainability across the entire dairy sector. So today we're going to talk about how data can work hand-in-hand -hand with the farm-to-fork strategy and the Green Deal to build effective solutions for sustainability. Now, you at home will be able to be part of this conversation. You can ask your questions to the panelists using the Q&A feature on Vimeo. I'm going to start that Q&A now. So you can go ahead and put those questions in starting now, and I will be reading them out to the panelists at the end of the panel. Uh, you can also participate in the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag EADebates right below me there. So we're going to start off today with a keynote speech from Jorge Pinto Antunes, who's a member of cabinet for European Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski. Uh, Jorge, I turn the floor over to you. Thank you, Dave, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to speak about some of the things that we are doing in terms of uh, supporting this uh, sustainability agenda, and namely on, 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 on agriculture. Uh, I guess uh, we need to start this conversation, obviously, by referring, and, and Dave has already done that, to the European Green Deal. Um, and, I, and I think this is important because it absolutely sets uh, our trajectory in terms of our societal goals, but also in terms of our economic goals. Uh, and I guess this will be even more uh, 
spelled out in detail uh, already two weeks from now when we uh, approve the, 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 the forthcoming 55 package. Uh, so these uh, climate neutrality goals, I think, are extremely important and, and they set the context to our uh, conversation. Uh, and they also, I think, raise the question of where or how can agriculture as a sector also contribute to these uh, societal but also socioeconomic uh, goals. Uh, of course, we in the Commission have articulated a little bit about this vision when we set out the farm to fork strategy, where we put out a number of uh, targets, inspirational targets, but nonetheless uh, targets, which also, I think, clearly demonstrate our uh, emphasis in terms of indicating higher sustainability for agriculture uh, sector. And this is particularly the case when we look at some of the targets uh, uh, in terms of reduction of, of inputs, namely fertilizers, but also uh, nutrients. And both of these two strategies, I, I think, are extremely important for, for our um, conversation. And quite recently, actually, uh, December last year, when we had the CAP strategic recommendations, uh, the Commission basically uh, highlighted again this as a common challenge for the agriculture uh, sector and it actually uh, confirmed also the need for member states to do a little bit more uh, in terms of their efforts to contribute to this sustainability uh, agenda. Uh, I think there are now encouraging signs in, towards our, the work that we are all doing in this regard. Uh, I, I couldn't help but uh, congratulate everyone, of course, uh, namely also my colleagues that have been a lot involved in the CAP reform and, 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 and the political agreement, I also think gives us uh, a bit the, 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 the flavor of where we, we go in terms of the next steps in terms of this uh, agenda. The question, of course, for us uh, as policymakers, but also as practitioners is how uh, can the Commission further support this uh, sustainability agenda? And how can it specifically also support member states? Uh, I think to help us answer this, this question and specifically to the question that we will be debating here today on how to make data-driven approaches uh, uh, drive or, or shape the sustainability agenda, we need to look at three specific uh, sort of broader questions out there. Uh, the first one is on the enabling frameworks. How can we put the correct incentives in place to make sure that operators uh, are best able to contribute to the efforts that we see necessary? A second question that I think is also important, broad question, is a look at the business models and also the potential for innovation. Uh, how can we make sure that whatever we are creating in terms of this agenda and the work that we are undertaking actually contributes to innovation and innovation in the broader sense, but also innovation in the agri-food uh, uh, sector. And the third question, uh, which is perhaps a little bit more technical, but I think equally uh, important, which is to look at uh, the, the, the sort of more technical issues linked to the effectiveness of the technologies, uh, in particular the digital, but also looking at, at, at issues relating to monitoring, reporting and verification of, of data. I think today here, because it's an introductory uh, address, I would like to focus on, 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 on the first two sort of uh, broad uh, questions. And starting with the enabling uh, framework, uh, I would like to share some of the 
initiatives that we will be launching or that we will start, we have already started working on, which will, I think, become central to our conversation and hopefully uh, will support this, uh, this agenda. The first one which I would like to, to highlight is, uh, of course, the carbon farming uh, initiative. Uh, we are scheduled to come with a communication by end of 2021, so pretty soon. Uh, and, and the idea there is that we, we, we spell out, uh, in terms of this initiative, how can we encourage farmers to take action uh, to increase the sinks, which are so necessary in terms of of, of, of contribution to our uh, climate goals and, and and also more broadly how can we encourage farmers to to uh, increase their climate friendly uh, practices we know that there are a number of uh, several initiatives that are running uh, in, in the EU uh, there are some differences in scope some looking at uh, carbon removals others also looking at emission reduction from livestock some looking at both of these two main main issues uh, I think for us, we will also be looking at these uh, two, two sides of the, of the, of the debate. Uh, we will be looking, at, I suppose, at how we can make the, 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 the schemes and the carbon farming schemes, uh, whether they should be uh, result-based schemes based on, on CO2 removals, or whether we should also be looking at, at the more practice-based uh, payment-related kind of implementation of climate-friendly practices, and this, I suppose, linking also to the eco-schemes. Or if it is an opportunity also possibly to sort of have an hybrid uh, approach. The, the important thing there is that we clearly see from, from our side of, of, of this debate that carbon farming should be a new uh, green business model and it should encourage uh, incentives for farmers to be uh, active partners of this of this uh, of this uh, agenda it's not exactly a, a new uh, topic uh, we've we've had a number of uh, of, uh, of initiatives or at least preparatory actions and studies uh, pointing out to this so we are pretty confident that we will be able to present something that is robust but in saying this, I think we also need to be a bit more broader in terms of looking at these uh, carbon uh, initiatives. And uh, further down the line, it is also our intention that we will come up with what we, we, we will refer as, as a certification um, for carbon uh, removals. Uh, normally, we will have, uh, or, or rather, that there is a need for us to clearly quantify what are the mitigation actions and, 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 and the needs. Uh, and, and, and that these mitigation actions are actually trusted uh, and, and widely agreed uh, uh, among uh, practitioners and that the methodologies that are underpinning this uh, uh, debate on, on, on carbon removals in, in farming is, is trustworthy. Uh, so the idea is that we actually will be able to come up with a certification scheme and I hope, at least <laughs> that is our uh, hope at, at the more sort of political level that at some uh, parts down down the road we will also uh, be able to link this to 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 a sort of a carbon market and and, and incentives for for farmers the creation of of um, new revenue streams for 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 farmers who are willing and and to to be part and supporting this this uh, this uh, um, agenda the other uh, uh, initiative which I think would be important and, and is a bit closer to what we're doing in, in, in the side of, uh, of agriculture 
is obviously the work that we have started as part of the CAP performance monitoring and evaluation uh, framework. Uh, we in the Commission have, have been encouraging member states to adopt uh, more complex methodologies that take into account the effects of, of, of changes in farm practices and namely climate-friendly practices. So we've been working on, 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 on updating our farm accountancy data network to make it a farm sustainability data network. And there we've actually been looking uh, and, and we've commissioned a study which, which looks at, at uh, greenhouse gas accounting uh, and how we, we could get a module there under the farm sustainability tool. Uh, again, the idea is that we, 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 we have the tools that enable measurement because this is, this, is, uh, this is important. And I think this will be key in terms of our uh, broader agenda on, on, on data-driven uh, approaches. I will not elaborate on two other initiatives, which I think my colleague will do, uh, which are the, the sustainable uh, food labeling framework and also the framework legislation on sustainable food systems, which are, of course, also key pieces in, in terms of uh, sustainability agenda in our, in our uh, agri-food uh, sector. Now, I started this conversation by saying that there were three big questions that we needed to, to be part of our conversation. Uh, one was about enabling frameworks, uh, but the other one, which I think is also important, is the, 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 the role of digitalization and, and data in, uh, in agriculture. I think this is also needs to be part of our, our uh, conversation. Uh, agriculture data has, has value, uh, sustainability data has, has value. So for us, uh, we're certainly looking at how we can make this data um, supporting or enhancing production, uh, creation of new business models, as I mentioned, and, and also more broadly encourage innovation in, in agriculture, but also along the, the, the supply chain. So we've been also working on this as, as, I guess, part of the digital transition agenda, but I think it dovetails with our debate on, on sustainability. Uh, I think our policy on, 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 on digital uh, it reveals that there are benefits to, to sharing and comparing data across farms, at least it's, it's definitely our, our, our belief, and uh, we would like uh, to, to benchmark performance and, and, and develop these big data-based solutions and how we can best do this. So I think as part of what we are doing under the common agricultural data space, uh, you know that there are these common data spaces as part of the uh, digital uh, uh, undertaking. Uh, there, there will be one specifically looking at agriculture data. And as part of this, we will obviously be looking at how can we facilitate trustworthiness, uh, but also sharing and pooling of agricultural uh, data. Our intention is, 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 is to, to continue to work there uh, and, and, and in, in a very sort of a detailed policy level, we will be uh, putting out uh, soon, or we already did actually, the act on, on, on data governance, which uh, elaborates on some provisions for cross-sectoral data interoperability. Uh, I think it's important that whatever is happening somewhere in Europe uh, is, is, is able to be, to be shared elsewhere in Europe. And, and also equally important that we can actually aggregate this data so that we can have, uh, well, best practices, but also uh, um, some, some, some very concrete uh, solutions that could be of use for the uh, 
agriculture, agri-foods stakeholders at, uh, at large. So this is an important part, I think, of, of work that we will be uh, pursuing in, 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 in the next couple of years, uh, and namely as part of the, this, this, uh, this college. I will not, as I said, elaborate on, on the third part of the question, though I think it's, it's, it's also important. Um, what I would like, as finishing my, my introductory remarks, is to say that we are definitely going to, as part of the CAP strategic plans, ask member states to foster digitalization and agriculture and to tell us about what are their digital strategies. Uh, the Rural Development Fund will obviously support investments uh, in digital technologies, um, not just infrastructure, but also in terms of advisory services, which is important. And I think this intervention is more broader. And it's also about Horizon Europe, Digital Europe program, and but also the recovery and resilience uh, facility. So an agenda that is here to stay, and I look forward to the rest of the discussions. Thank you. Great, thanks a lot, Mr. Pinto Antunes. That's a really good overview, I think, of what the Commission's thinking is on this as we move forward. Uh, we're now going to go to the panel. I'll introduce them now. I do want to mention some people were having trouble logging into the video at the beginning with the password. That's all solved now. So if you know anyone that was having trouble before, tell them to try again, and they will definitely get in now. Uh, so let me introduce the panelists that we have with us here today. We have Alexandra Nicolacopoulou, who is head of unit uh, for the Farm to Fork Strategy at DG Sante, the European Commission's health department. We have Peter Georgs Carlson, executive vice president of Arla Foods, which is a Danish multinational cooperative and the largest producer of dairy products in Scandinavia. We have Kirsten Berseg, Program Manager for Innovation at EIT Food. That's one of the communities of the European Institute of Technology, which is an EU agency. And finally, we have Celia Niesens, Policy Officer for Agriculture at the NGO European Environmental Bureau, EEB. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here with us uh, today. Let's start with uh, some opening questions to each of you. I'd like to start with Alexandra. Um, so we heard a bit about the Commission's intentions there, but I think you can tell us a little, a little bit more in detail. What role do you see for data in driving change in the food system? Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much. Just to confirm that you can hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So. Um, Yes, we are all um, going through a complex exercise here, uh, both uh, policy makers and uh, food business operators and all actors of the food system. And as you mentioned at your introduction, Dave, uh, we are going through a transition or transformation of the food system. The farm to fork strategy is quite unique. It is the first uh, uh, sustainability EU, uh, let's say, strategy, which is uh, quite complex. Uh, to, to uh, was already quite complex to develop, but also to um, implement now. And this, why? Because it addresses in a very comprehensive manner uh, all dimensions of sustainability of the food systems, the links between healthy people, healthy societies, and a healthy planet. And it introduces a, an integrated approach, which is uh, absolutely necessary because it is clear that action is needed at all levels, by uh, both uh, through public uh, policies and interventions. So here is the role of policymakers, but also uh, private, uh, all uh, actors and other actors of the food system. 
So where data is sitting in all these exercises, data is crucial. Uh, we need data to empower all these actors that have a role to play, both policymakers, as I say, farmers, uh, but consumers also, so that we can drive this transition to sustainable food systems. So I, I see the reply to your questions from two different angles, uh, the role of data in shaping the actions of the farm to fork strategy, and already there are some initiatives that have been, uh, have been mentioned, but also the role of data in our food system. So as policymakers, the Commission is using data. This is not new in shaping the actions when we propose legislation, when we assess the impact of the different options. And we use all available data, uh, both qualitative but also quantitative evidence. We also use uh, strategic foresight, which is a key element uh, to create future uh, proof policies. And uh, then when we develop the policy, certainly we need to monitor, to evaluate how they are implemented, how they are applied, and also uh, whether we need to review or to adjust them. When now it comes to the role of data in our food system, this is also crucial. Our age, our time is characterized by the digital uh, data-driven revolution. Uh, so it's not the data in itself which is new, but it's, I think, uh, the digitalization and all the innovation which comes together with uh, the data, the collection of data. And this is, with the Green Deal, a top priority for the Commission. So here, uh, I think data can be used, first of all, to characterize, and this is what we need to, to do, the environmental, social and economic sustainability of our food system. Um, and from our point of view, we will be developing two key initiatives. One will be the legislative framework uh, on a new, on the sustainable uh, policy, sustainable legislation, where we need to establish principles and requirements, minimum requirements for sustainability. Here, data is also crucial. And also, this will be accompanied by sustainable labeling. So consumers will be able to choose a product, for example, with a lower carbon footprint on the basis of a label. And this label has to be based on data. Um, a retailer may be able to reduce food waste through better analysis, for example, of data on consumer patterns. Um, a farmer may be able to reduce fertilizer use through uh, precision farming technology. So all in all, I mean, these are just uh, uh, some indications, but we need to continue stimulating here digital innovation, including artificial intelligence that could provide solutions for our food systems. Uh, data collection, but also analysis, and this is also another challenge, the analysis and the optimal use of this uh, data. There are a lot of challenges there. I think we can go later into the discussion to empower uh, all the actors uh, in the transition to the food systems. So, so that's it for my introductory statement. Thank you. Thanks so much, Alexandra. So next, we actually have a, a video address from MEP Herbert Dorfman, who's a member of the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to be with us live in person, but he was able to send us a video with his comments. So let's play that video now. Good morning. Thanks to AeroActive for organizing this uh, important event. I think indeed uh, um, so, uh, sustainability is an important topic also in the dairy sector. 
If it comes to sustainability, I'm uh, firmly convinced that the most important question is uh, the stocking density we, and the relationship between farmed land on one side and animals and dairy production on the other side. Another important topic if it comes to sustainability in the dairy sector is for sure the emission mainly of methane and he, also here I think we need a data-based approach. Uh, methane has a short life in the atmosphere and uh, therefore it is not only important how much methane we emit today but it, the important question is what is the concentration of methane in the atmosphere and this depends uh, on the cycle of methane emissions in the last 10 years. Um, I think we need here a more scientific approach. We need to avoid that uh, farmers are accused to um, um, have an, more, an important um, contribution to climate change, looking also only at the actual emissions and not looking at the whole cycle and at the decomposition rate of methane in the atmosphere. So overall, I think sustainability will be main and will be even more important in the future, also in the dairy sector. Um, as you know, we, are, we decided last week uh, about the future of the common agriculture policy, introducing a ring fencing of 25% in the first pillar for eco schemes, for, so for environmental action and to remain, with remaining 35% uh, of environmental action in the second pillar. I think this is an important tool to foster, to support sustainability in the agriculture and in the milk sector, in the dairy sector. Thank you very much again and have a nice and important and interesting meeting. Great. So we have that intervention from Herbert. Uh, Peter, let's turn to you next. I was really interested to learn that Arla actually is one of the biggest carbon footprint databases for each of their farmers. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that database and also how Arla is using the data that it's collecting? Yes, uh, certainly. And good afternoon, everyone. I hope the sound is okay from my side as well. Um, yes, it's it's correct. Uh, Arla Foods is is a, is a dairy company uh, with uh, nine thousand uh, farmers uh, across uh, six EU member states uh, plus the UK. And actually, uh, reducing uh, carbon has is not something new uh, to our owners. Our farmer owners we actually reduced by twenty four percent since uh, nineteen ninety. But it's it's clear to our owners uh, that they want to be part of the solution, and therefore we need to go further and faster. Uh, and that's also why we put out a, uh, a 2050 strategy about being a net zero and uh, re reduced by 30% by 2030 uh, uh, based on science-based targets. Um, and I think it's also very clear to us that it's not only about the promises we made, it's need, we really need to have focus on the actions that we actually really reduce uh, the emissions. And therefore, we have decided to put data at the heart of all our decision making, uh, both to uh, help our farmer owners to reduce in the right places, but also to create trust with our customers and our consumers. And therefore, the last three years, we have been through a process where we have def uh, dis uh, defined and, and developed uh, <clears throat> what we believe is the uh, 
biggest uh, uh, database within uh, climate data for uh, for dairy farming in the world. Um, it's actually uh, now a an, and it's an externally validated uh, database, and uh, today it actually represents seven percent of the EU uh, milk pool, uh, the database that we are we are building. I would like just to show you a small video explaining it a little bit more, and then I have a few uh, last comments. So maybe we could uh, just show the video. Ala farmers are among the most climate efficient dairy farmers in the world, but they're determined to do even more. That's why they're working to reduce their CO2 emissions on farm by 30% in 2030 and achieve carbon net zero dairy in 2050. To help them succeed, Ala has introduced climate checks. We have actually working with sustainability all the time in the six years I have the farm here. My motivation, especially my kids, in the next generation where we still can produce dairy products and even with a lower carbon footprint than we have now. Based on the answers to 203 questions from each farmer, external climate advisors assess the data. They then work with the farmer to develop an individual action plan to reduce his or her CO2 emissions further. With this information, Ayla has built one of the world's largest externally validated climate data sets from dairy farms. The climate check works by taking into account all the input that comes onto a farm. It measures the use of fertilizer, number of animals, manure handling on the farm, crop production, use of electricity, fuel, renewable energy, soil type, peat soil, feed composition. With the climate check, we receive a lot of data back. And this data clearly helps to identify where on the farm we can improve the carbon footprint. Here on my farm we have work about putting LED lighting, cooling the milk effective, animal health about water beds, and we are also in delivering our manure for biogas. From the last climate check and the result of that, we have the focus on the cows feeding, and the feed should be as optimum as possible. The climate checks are done every year and enable the farmers to follow their own progress and benchmark against data from other ALA farms, which is an important driver for year-on-year -year improvements. The insights and knowledge from the compiled data will help drive an effective transition to carbon net zero for the whole dairy industry. We ALA farmer are on the same journey and I believe if we pull together, we can make a big difference in the future. So I, I think I hope that you all saw from this video how we are building up the ALA climate check. And I think it's it's built on an ISO standard for life cycle analysis and also following the IDF uh, guidelines for carbon footprint. I think what I hope you see here is how the insights that we get out of all these data both uh, can help uh, the individual farmer to improve uh, on their farm. Plus, it also gives us a lot of data about Overall, where are the structural improvements that we could do that could help all farms that could be biogas, renewable energy or permanent pasture? I think what we have learned so far is that our farmers is today have an average uh, footprint of 1.15 uh, CO2 per kilogram of milk. It's one of the lowest in the world. Uh, and I think that that uh, gives us a strong starting point, but it also really gives us uh, an, a, a starting point for where to, to focus next. What we have also learned, it's not about size of farms or different regions. 
all farms are individual and actually we see that it's no one production method that is actually defining uh, how efficient you are it's actually the farm management to a very large extent and that's uh, what it, uh, this climate database is now enabling us to do that is to work with the individual farmer on improving their farms even further so that's why we have put the data at the heart of uh, our challenge uh, moving forward and I'm looking forward to have a further discussion that with the panelists later. Thanks a lot, Peter. So let's turn to Kirsten next. So Kirsten, at EIT Food, you guys have really been working with farmers uh, and all kinds of parts of the food chain about these issues. What kind of data-driven projects has EIT Food been involved in? Uh, Kirsten, I think you're on mute. Okay, so um, you, you should hear me now. Yes. So the, uh, first of all, I would like to express my gratitude towards the organizers for having me on this um, event. Yes, EIT Food um, is very dedicated to advancing sustainable agriculture. So we see agriculture as one of the greatest chance, changes, chances to deliver on the United Nations Sustainable Goals, but also on the Green Deal and so the Farm to Fork strategy and to make Europe climate neutral by 2050. And here with the um, data acquisition and data evaluation, and especially the implementation of data-based solutions as, corners, as cornerstones um, as of the, at the basis of our activities that we are funding. So when you're asking about the projects um, that, that we are running that are data-driven, uh, we have a, a range of projects, activities running that are either coming from the innovation sector. Uh, here the aim is to launch new innovative and sustainable solutions in the form of products, services or platforms. We also are very engaged in education to develop leaders in the agri-food sector. Uh, we have uh, activities in business creation to scale agri-food startups and also we are very active in public engagement um, as the word says to engage with the European um, citizens. And uh, depending on the scope of the activity, our partners are creating uh, different kinds of data. So it, it, it might be um, scientific data based, for example, or uh, yield monitor data or soil sample data or imaginary data uh, to make educated decisions um, for, for a more sustainable farm management, for example. But we're also working a lot with uh, virtual data and data from social networks, um, surveys, and also focus groups dis um, discussions. And let me just um, go into detail about some of our projects that we're currently funding. So, for example, one project in the dairy, from the dairy sector is so-called Smart ET. And uh, with the onset of the COVID-19 crisis last year, we had um, a COVID-19 crisis response initiative, and this project was one part of it. And the aim was to help mitigating the uh, rapid reduction in the consumption of dairy products that followed the closure of, of restaurants. Um, and so this resulted in a high increase in the surplus of, of milk and, and processed products. And the scope of, of Smart IT was to create IT applications that um, are um, able to um, predict the online demand and also predict feed and other costs for the dairy farmers. And this online tool was then 
based on both historical data and data that was collected throughout the COVID-19 pandemic um, in discussions with uh, farmers and dairies, for example. And the result of this project were two different types of forecast models, one to forecast feed costs and milk prices, and the other one was to forecast costs and revenues in order to have better farm productivity indicators. So this was just one example from the dairy sector, and I'm now going over to um, to another uh, sector from, from, from dairy farming, which is um, a project we called we call Pig Tracker. And here we are deploying a new system for monitoring pigs in real time, making use of state-of-the-art camera monitoring systems. And here coupled with AI-driven um, predictive tools, we, will, we aim to contribute to lead production of pigs and minimizing waste and optimizing outputs and also minimizing thickness and optimizing timely use of medications and vaccines. So leaving now the um, animal sector behind and, and moving towards um, human beings, we also, as I already mentioned, work a lot with um, virtual data, with data from social media, data from surveys, etc. And one of our projects is called Trust Tracker. Um, and this is an evidence-based questionnaire to measure consumer trust in the food industry. Uh, for example, um, we, we have been working with about 20,000 consumers from, from 18 different EU countries. We are monitoring um, trust uh, via a very dedicated survey and we have implemented specific uh, data evaluation tools that were created in the collaboration with different European universities. Um, and, and helping us to, to monitor trust is also helping us to understand um, how we can influence or improve consumer trust towards the food industry. It was very um, positive to see that European consumers trust farmers most and uh, this is followed then by European retailers, for example. And the last example that I would like to highlight is um, our Food Unfolded platform. So here actually we are creating data in the form of uh, videos, uh, podcasts, uh, articles um, and other kind of virtual events to actively seek the dialogue with the human uh, European consumer. As we see that uh, many of, of us see the food only on our plate without really knowing its story, where it comes from, how it is being produced, uh, what is the impact of, of production on, on people, communities and the environment. And um, so this is basically us producing data to the outside world to communicate, to educate um, and, to, and to interact and also then um, create a pool of information, a, a database as well, that then helps us also to selecting steps and ways, ways forward to, for example, address the different um, components of sustainability, meaning environment, economy, and society. And um, so in view of time, I will stop here. And uh, we have plenty of more um, examples and you can find them on the IT Food homepage. And you're also very welcome to connect with me via email. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Kirsten. So Celia, a question for you. Um, so one advantage of having data is you can have, 
you know, concrete things to back up sustainability claims, and it can kind of go in the opposite direction of greenwashing because it can actually verify and, and really back up with science. So how do you think we can use data to filter fact from assumption when it comes to analyzing agricultural sustainability? Um, well, it, it's really clear that um, data is the first step towards finding hard facts about the environmental performance or impacts of food production. Um, and we already have a lot of data and we will always need more, that's, that's certain. Um, something that I'd like to bounce uh, on is, is the title of this event and, and something that I think you mentioned in your introduction. Um, about the idea that data is key to sustainability. And here what we would like to say is data does not necessarily bring sustainability in of itself. It is a means to an end. Data can tell us what's happening and then we need to make decisions based on that. Um, and, and in this regard, we've heard a lot about examples where um, especially farm data is used to improve certain aspects of the production systems and in particular with a view to, to boost efficiency. But something that's really important is that data and sustainability uh, don't end at the farm gate. Um, this whole story is about much more than just farm data and farm e efficiency. Um, so two points that I'd like to make here is um, first, and this has already been uh, mentioned by Alexandra earlier, um, of course we need data also for uh, looking at environmental impacts, uh, for looking at diets and dietary patterns, trade, um, we need all this much sort of wider data about um, the state of, the, of our environment, the impacts of policies, etc. And we need it uh, at aggregated level, but also in more uh, detailed levels. Uh, so we can, for example, look at the specific impacts of specific sectors, like the dairy sector. Um, and, and here, um, some, some key facts, for example, when it comes to the sustainability of the dairy sector or uh, livestock farming more generally, um, one first uh, thing that I'd like to bounce off that was mentioned by Mr. Dorfman is that um, methane has a short life cycle as a greenhouse gas, and that is absolutely true. But what's a fact um, that we often oversee is that methane is also an air pollutant that is really harmful for human health and also for plants, so including crops. Um, and so actually the absolute amounts that we are emitting is really important. It's not just about the concentration in the atmosphere. Um, another key fact that is really important when looking at the sustainability of the dairy sector and that we are monitoring through data is nitrogen, nitrogen flows, nitrogen pollution. Um, we know there have been studies that in Europe we are exceeding what is a safe operating space when it comes to reactive nitrogen flows by a factor of 3.3, um, which is double um, the, the factor by which the world as a whole is exceeding the safe operating space for nitrogen uh, cycles. And this is primarily driven by, uh, by livestock farming, by, by animal sourced food production. Um, then, um, this leads me to talk a bit about um, the fact that we're talking about sustainability and in sustainability and in reducing environmental impacts, efficiency is very important and data can be crucial to bring efficiency improvements on farms as we've just heard from the uh, ALA Climate Check Initiative, which is really interesting. But we 
mustn't forget that to be really sustainable, we will need more systemic change. That is also a fact based on data, based on uh, studies by countless scientists. And in the case of dairy production, even though in Europe we have the most efficient uh, production system or among the most produc uh, efficient production systems in the world, we are still seeing major environmental problems linked to dairy production and, and livestock farming more broadly. So even though we have greatly improved the, the climate footprint and the emissions of greenhouse gases per litre of milk, um, we still have many environmental problems, which mean that we need to look beyond efficiency. And just to mention a few here, um, as again, Mr. Dorfman mentioned, we need to look at the total concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. So we may have improved the uh, footprint of units of products, but we have increased the production so much that in the end, we are still emitting more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. That is a fact. Um, we also know that this drive towards more efficient and, and more intensive dairy production has come with an increased reliance on imported feed and, and soybeans, which we know also, thanks to the data that we get from satellites and others, are linked to deforestation. Um, we have also lost very important grasslands for biodiversity, as we are uh, increasingly feeding animals with cereals and, and protein crops rather than, than grass. Um, and, and these facts are absolutely crucial also in the context of sustainability uh, food labeling, which was mentioned earlier by, uh, by Alexandra. Because if we only look at the climate footprint per unit of product, we will miss the bigger picture. We will miss very important facts about the real environmental impacts of not just the food products, but also the behaviors that are related to those food products. Um, we know that we are consuming too much, um, too many animal proteins in Europe. In, for, for dairy, we are uh, consuming only 5% more, but still more than the recommended level for the EU as a whole. But in some country, it's as high as 20% more than what is recommended for, for our health. So we really need to look at all of the, those pictures and data that touches on all of those aspects. We are going to really deliver sustainability in, in the dairy sector. Thanks. I think that's a really important point that the data itself doesn't bring sustainability. Of course, it's how you use the data. And I want to ask Alexandra about that. Uh, first, just a reminder to everybody watching at home, you can ask your own questions to the panelists using the Q&A feature on Vimeo. Go ahead and put those questions in on Vimeo and I will read them out to the panelists. Uh, so, uh, Alexandra, yeah, I wanted to follow up on this point about how the data is used, um, particularly smart carbon measurement and audit tools. How can those types of tools be used to ensure that mitigation actions are measured and verified and help the sector become carbon net zero sooner than expected in a way that's really measurable? What can the commission do to help those tools? Yes. Um, as, as I said uh, at the beginning, uh, there are two angles. Uh, how these tools uh, are uh, used uh, by the operators uh, in the private sector, where the commission and public authorities uh, can support uh, through different enablers, through different uh, mechanisms uh, that we put in place. And then uh, there is the question of how the data that we get uh, from uh, these uh, 
uh, audits uh, and uh, uh, other sources of, uh, uh, of getting the data uh, are used in the decision-making process and uh, in uh, following the progress that we make in view of this uh, systemic uh, change. Um, so, uh, from uh, here, I would like also to, to mention what was uh, mentioned by our colleague from from DG Agriculture. Uh, there is uh, there are systems in place uh, through the Common Agricultural Policy uh, that uh, support uh, this uh, knowledge sharing, um, the uh, digitization of uh, agriculture, uh, the development of skills, also sustainability skills uh, among the food business operators. And these tools really uh, can offer a lot to uh, the practical implementation and to get the best from these, um, uh, the, the, these uh, practices and these tools. At the same time, there are also external uh, companies, uh, consultants. Um, there is a development of, uh, uh, of business uh, which is there to support the sector. And uh, um, also the cooperation among the different parts of the food chain also here is crucial. I would like to mention in this regard a recent initiative, uh, uh, which is part of the Farm to Fork strategy, and uh, um, on the 5th of July, uh, we will uh, have uh, the launching of a code of conduct. This is a voluntary instrument uh, that calls uh, on uh, EU and non-EU associations, which represent uh, food business operators, but also individual companies, to uh, make ambitious commitments um, to, with regard to the three dimensions of, of food sustainability. And this will be a key, the companies which make commitments, and I'm glad to say already there is an impressive number of individual companies that have uh, committed to, to this code, uh, to reach uh, some uh, ambitious and uh, targeted and measurable commitments with regard to the environmental sustainability, food waste, uh, um, health uh, aspects and, and nutrition, uh, revising the portfolio, um, of their companies, um, they uh, will uh, come with uh, um, such com commitments and there is, uh, in the context of the governance and the implementation of this code, um, monitoring of the progress, reporting by the companies and by the associations. Um, and the dairy sector has been involved also, has followed uh, the development of this code. And um, we hope also that with the monitoring and the reporting that will be publicly available uh, also, uh, this will support all businesses, uh, individual, small and medium enterprises also, uh, to um, uh, undertake uh, further steps. So here, cooperation and sharing of this uh, data um, will be... Thanks, Alexandra. We lost you just right at the end there. It was cutting out a bit, but uh, I think it's fixed now. Uh, Peter, I want to ask you also about these auditing tools. We saw them mentioned a bit in the video that you showed um, about how it's working with farmers to actually check and, and, and use this smart carbon measurement, um, specifically on the audit tools. How can this help the, both the farmers and companies kind of verify their emissions and show to both consumers and to policy, uh, policy makers, uh, look, this isn't, this isn't greenwashing, these are real emissions reductions, and here's the proof. 
Well, I, I guess I would like to start. I fully, uh, fully agree that uh, we cannot uh, reduce uh, carbon by only uh, having data. Uh, we need to use the data uh, for uh, intelligent use on where to put in. And I think what our uh, what our climate uh, checks are now enabling us to do is actually that we have found out that the, there's actually not one production system that is uh, better than another. There is uh, actually the variance within um, with, within a country is, is is bigger than between countries uh, within uh, also between the different production systems. So I think it's really how we use the data, and I think I think uh, I think also it's it's important to uh, remember the way we look at it. We need to have a holistic um, view on sustainability. It's of course uh, the the environmental footprint is important that we are talking about here with the data. But it's also the nutritional needs. We still are looking into a world that will uh, have more people uh, and we need to provide food for the world. And then, of course, uh, it's also uh, uh, the overall um, 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 uh, social uh, sustainability part that is also uh, critical here. All this, uh, what we are doing here, in uh, all this data enables us to work with the individual farm. And we have actually also to some of the points that's been made here in the panelists uh, enable us to go down and we've identified five big levers uh, that on farm management that we need to work with. One of them is actually fertilizer use uh, so we can do targeted uh, measurement on uh, reducing the nitrogen and uh, improve the water quality. Another one is how we use uh, protein to feed uh, uh, the, the cows. Uh, so really optimizing uh, the protein use to also reduce emissions from there. So I think that's how uh, we can use the data uh, to uh, enable and also uh, share those data with policymakers so they know where to uh, support also the farmers in, in improving uh, their, um, their emissions. Thanks. Um, I wanted to uh, ask a question to Kirsten. Uh, this is about the whole supply chain. So you are actually, EIT Food is working with the whole food supply chain. So you would have a good kind of broad view on this. Once the data is collected, let's say on the data farm, uh, on the dairy farm rather, uh, how do different actors in the food system cooperate to make the best use of that data? And are there concerns about data sharing and proprietary data from a commercial point of view? Are you hearing any resistance from various actors in the food chain. Yes, uh, thank you for the question. Um, at ERT Food, we always work in, in multi-stakeholder uh, consortia. So at the heart of our projects is always establishing trust by, by sharing information upfront already at the start of the project. So creating data therefore also heavily relies on the trust among the stakeholders. So you say now, once we have uh, collected the data, what are we going to do with the data? So I would say already before we start collecting the data, we should make clear that the infrastructure on handling the data, on data security, on also the return of, of, of investment for the farmers is being discussed. And here to this end, the involvement of the farmers uh, is of, of of utmost um, importance. And once we have collected the data in collaboration with farmers, for example, and the data has been processed and we have developed, for example, forecast models, we have developed online tools that, that can help to uh, that can help making um, farm practices more sustainable. 
Then the next step, obviously, is also to share the data back with the farmers because they were the original contributors of the data. They will get uh, advice, some advisor um, at the site to help them understand what the data that they are providing is actually uh, doing for them, what are the benefits of the data and how um, they can also, um, from a business point of view, uh, improve the sustainability because at the end of the day the farmers are not only uh, guardians of our environment but they are also business businessmen so what is important for us is is from the very first morning, moment of collecting the data trust transparency agreeing on the way data is shared handled and redistributed but also educating on the benefits and merits of providing this data and how actually the benefits for the um, for the farmers um, result uh, in the form of contributing of data. Celia, what about you? How do you think the data that's collected can be best used throughout the whole food supply chain? And do you also hear any types of concerns about how the data is used? Uh, yes, there's definitely some concerns um, around the control over the data, privacy of data on the side of, of farmers. Um, in terms of the, the supply chains and, and the, the data used there, um, it's, it's maybe we can look at the example of, uh, of nutrition, where uh, it's interesting to see that if, if you put very detailed um, technical data on uh, a food package, then most people will not read it because they don't understand it, because it's written in very small print, it's not very useful to them. Um, and in contrast, uh, a sort of data-based uh, system such as the Nutri-Score, I'm not advocating for or against, I'm just mentioning as an example, is helping consumers um, get a sense of what is better for their health and, and what isn't. So there is, um, I guess there is a, a case for doing something similar when it comes to the environment. Now the big problem with the environment is that it is extremely complex it has so many different dimensions. There's the climate footprint, but there's also biodiversity, there's uh, soil health, there's water quality, air quality. And very often there are trade-offs between these dimensions. Uh, so how do we reflect that without overwhelming consumers, but without cheating them either and, and oversimplifying and, and maybe taking things out if they're too complex. Um, that is a real concern that, concern that we have as environmental NGOs when we hear about uh, sustainability labeling is that um, I am personally not sure that you can boil down sustainability to just one number or one uh, color code. It is about, uh, about the, the, uh, it's a system. Um, it's about not just how the food is produced, but um, also how much of it we eat, etc. Um, so it's an, an important area to explore. Um, but we need to also look at other levers for sustainability. And that is partly why I, I made this point at the beginning that data is a step towards, uh, it's only a means to an end, but it is not the end of the picture either. Alexandra, how is the Commission looking at these data sensitivity, data privacy issues, uh, and also uh, when some of this data might be proprietary for companies and, and be anti-competitive to put it out there? How is the Commission trying to allay those concerns? 
Yes, um, actually, as I said also at the beginning, uh, uh, the use of data, uh, it seems uh, like an easy thing to do, but actually there are also a lot of challenges uh, with the use of, of data. Um, when it comes to uh, concerns relating to, uh, clearly this has to be used in an ethical way and uh, uh, also uh, respecting uh, the uh, proprietary uh, data and data protection rule. This is clear to us uh, and uh, this is out of question. When it comes to data, certainly, and I think when it comes to data that concern uh, environmental aspects, uh, data concerning water quality, etc., maybe it is easier and we may do not have so many uh, problems. But when it comes to health aspects, uh, um, certainly there, uh, the issues of, of data and data protection are uh, more uh, sensitive. But uh, uh, we have rules uh, um, and we have uh, to apply those rules uh, that apply other uh, areas that concern data uh, in the functioning of the European uh, Commission. And we have also other legislations in place where we had to take into account uh, the rules of data protection, which, as I said, they are horizontal. Um, I see also other issues uh, regarding the use of data. Um, uh, there is a problem. Uh, we we speak as uh, there is uh, indeed there is uh, uh, overwhelming data, uh, and we are in the process of generating more and more. But at the same time, we face uh, uncertainties, and there are also important uh, um, gaps, knowledge gaps. Uh, in terms of, uh, of data. And this is a problem for uh, decision makers. Um, at the same time, because sometimes the, the data generation does not follow uh, the pace uh, of uh, the intervention, of the policy intervention. And sometimes the data, they come after uh, the uh, policy intervention or the uh, knowledge gaps can also be used as an argument um, not to intervene. So uh, th these are uh, some uh, issues that we face, uh, I think, when we try to develop so comprehensive policies um, that at the same time we have a proposal to make and uh, thinking already uh, three years in advance or four years in advance how we will monitor the progress, especially in areas where we have not yet developed all the indicators. Uh, I think in the environmental area, because of the of the cap and also environmental policy, there are um, there, there is more progress regarding indicators. Uh, however, uh, when it comes to health and nutrition and uh, consumer patterns, uh, consumer consumption and diets, uh, I would say we are ill in terms uh, of, of data. And these are issues that we need to tackle uh, very quickly. Thank you. Peter, how is Arla Foods dealing with this issue of uh, data sensitivity? Yeah, I think I would like to just to comment both Celia and Alexandra has also now uh, commented a little bit on, on the importance here of uh, uh, what I would call carbon labeling, how we actually uh, uh, helping the consumers uh, to navigate. And I think uh, what I hear, which I fully subscribe to, is that it's, it also needs to, of course, be data-led, but it also needs to be science-based uh, and evidence-based. Uh, and there are many elements uh, through, uh, through the whole uh, sustainability. So it's not only uh, the, the environmental footprint, but it's actually also nutrition. So I think, I think there is uh, still more work we need to do here. Uh, together uh, and, uh, and and that's why we will also uh, contribute with the data we have 
so that we can give uh, the best uh, information to to the consumers in the end. Right now, we are we are supporting uh, some work on the product environmental footprint uh, together with the with the EDA to really try and also uh, develop uh, this. But I think this is a uh, very important field that um, that the, the, the carbon labeling, the, all the labels that we will see on products in the future is actually science-based and data-led. Uh, uh, and it's also creating a level playing field. I wanted to uh, also ask about um, how this has worked in other sectors and whether there might be lessons to draw there. Um, maybe this uh, would be a good question for Alexandra. I'll put this to you first. Uh, is the commission is looking? The commission is kind of looking in general at all of these data issues uh, and and the potential of big data, uh, how the data is being used. So I wonder when you're looking specifically at food, if you're drawing lessons from other sectors about how uh, data has been used as a solution there. Yes, thank you. Um, actually, the question of, of data uh, under the Green Deal, uh, all the um, uh, strategies which are part of the Green Deal are uh, looked also um, by the Commission in a more uh, collective uh, manner. And uh, there is a, um, uh, there are a group of colleagues and, uh, and services uh, who are really looking on what uh, data is actually available and how this data has been used uh, in other policies or on other uh, instances that can be also uh, used um, in, in uh, and we, we can have synergies clearly there. Um, I think that we uh, have been looking also very much uh, uh, on what is uh, uh, happening in the area of uh, um, environmental uh, sustainability um, from uh, in the area of products, uh, energy label, um, and uh, um, buildings. Uh, here we are much more advanced in terms of uh, legislation which touches upon uh, different areas uh, of uh, sustainability and uh, um, certainly we see how the data is used. We must also, however, uh, it's more about uh, experience and methodologies that are used than the actual data itself, uh, taking into account that food um, is really different and food production uh, is not easily comparable uh, to um, other products uh, or other other services. Although food uh, system contributes largely and uh, it has its responsibility and enormous possibility in terms of uh, uh, reducing um, environmental pollution, uh, uh, the overall environmental footprint, climate uh, uh, change, um, I think that when we are looking on the how uh, what kind of data and how this that data will be used, um, I believe that uh, uh, there are particularities uh, and the diversity of uh, the food system, including also some emotional elements, because here we are talking about uh, uh, data, which is very factual, but at the same time, we are talking about food, which touches upon culture, tradition, something very personal, and it is not so easy um, to um, uh, apply uh, the data which has used in the decision-making process in the same way as in other areas. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's what really separates food from other sectors is that it is a very emotional topic. Um, so I want to take some questions that have come in from the audience. The first question is a question for Peter. It comes from Konstantin Golembek. 
Which CO2 calculators does Arla use? How do you ensure that the underlying methodology is state-of-the-art, e.g. IPCC? Uh, yes, go ahead, uh, Peter, your answer to that. Yes, so uh, as I mentioned before, um, we have developed um, a, a, a calculation behind our uh, climate checks that is built on the uh, IDF uh, climate or carbon footprint uh, methodology and it's 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 following the uh, an ISO standard uh, for uh, life cycle analysis so so I think uh, we have done uh, everything we can to make a uh, a, a system that is uh, scientifically uh, validated and uh, and also uh, also very um, uh, strong and, and and transparent so so that's that's what we have been uh, been using okay thanks uh, I want to take a next question here this comes from Tom Verdonk um, and I think it's for Alexandra although if anyone else would like to answer just let me know uh, so Tom asks, in addition to potentially privacy breaching and or anti-competitive collusion practices, how do you ensure that data-driven technologies are not used for abusive or predatory practices by retailers and other contracting parties of farmers? Alexandra? Yeah. Yes, I think that here also uh, there is uh, there are legislation, there is relevant re legislation which is not uh, horizontal, yeah, which is not really uh, in in the food area. Um, first of all, uh, concerning uh, data use, and I say, and also uh, unfair unfair practices. Um, uh, so this is covered again by horizontal rules, on which I must say, I must admit, apologies for this. I'm not uh, I'm not a specialist, and obviously also uh, there are uh, questions of uh, national law. There is national law which is also uh, applicable and is uh, looking into into these aspects. Does anyone else, uh, would anyone else like to come in on this issue of um, predat potentially predatory practices with data? No? Okay. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, at ERT Food, we, we work in, in consortia, as I already mentioned. So, also here, we have um, retailers as partners of inside the consortium. So. And as I already said, by establishing trust and by having a multi-stakeholder community from the very beginning, uh, you can also circumvent that there is uh, an issue with, with abuse of data or um, piracy of data, etc. Um, it's it's really about this multi-stakeholder approach. It's about sharing. It's about trust and transparency within the group of stakeholders that are collaborating. Okay, great. So we have a question for Peter here. This uh, question comes from Koji Wasilius. Uh, he, Koji is impressed by the agri-systemic effectiveness of Arla's climate check. Can Peter reflect on the import of feed like soy from South America and educating farmers on this issue? Peter? Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, this is exactly, uh, of course, one of the data points that we get in our climate checks so we know exactly uh, the amount of feed of course we know exactly where the feed is coming from uh, we can calculate uh, the footprint of the feed uh, that is being used and also 
what are the uh, potential other uh, feed sources, uh, both making, uh, as I said, uh, the, the whole protein pilot that we're running now that it clearly came out of our climate checks, how can we actually re reduce or uh, make the efficiency of the protein that we use better? But what are there also of other protein sources that we could use and what would be the impact on the climate on that and also, of course, on the yield uh, for the farmer? So uh, it, it, that's exactly what uh, this whole climate uh, check enables us to do. Uh, it also enables us to do among farmers uh, that they can actually benchmark uh, when uh, different farmers are maybe using different kinds of feed. So I think that this is what the data enables us now to uh, to work with uh, and also to uh, to improve that area. And it is an area that uh, will will clearly have uh, an, a positive impact on the climate if we can find the right solutions. Well, I want to put one last very quick closing question to each of you because we're uh, just about out of time. But if each of you could answer this in about 30 seconds, Alexandra, we'll start with you. What do you think is the most important thing we need to do to make use of data in the food chain? Yes, uh, <laughs> make the, what we need to do, I would say uh, for me is uh, um, the speed of data, generate of data and sharing data collectively. I mean, uh, accessibility and sharing, uh, it is important. Uh, and then uh, the next step is how we analyze the data and good analysis of data, uh, which requires skills also, um, both uh, from the public uh, operators, but also from the public uh, actors, but also from the private actors. Uh, this, is, uh, this is key because uh, this is the way uh, to reach uh, good conclusions uh, and not do not take erroneous uh, decisions. And um, the other thing that I would like to say, and it was mentioned by a uh, previous speaker, is the partnerships. Partnerships and, and building uh, relations of, uh, of trust, uh, this will uh, help to the better use of, of data uh, among the, system, the, the actors of the food system. Peter, what would you say is the one most important thing? I think that the uh, data that we have now available uh, has built uh, more trust than ever for all foods in that we can actually deliver uh, on the uh, on, on the climate net zero ambition and also the 30% by 2030. I think what the data is also enabling us is that uh, we now go from the generic to the specific. So really helping on uh, each farmer uh, with what they need to do uh, I fully uh, agree also the data also enables us to build partnerships and find new solutions across the value chain. And lastly, I think uh, data will also now enable us that we need to drive the climate uh, ambitions and the climate uh, performance like we drive business performance. So it will be no difference. Uh, and that's why we will, how we will make the progress. Kirsten, what do you think is the most important thing? <laughs> Asking the right question to the right uh, stakeholders and um, really addressing the needs, for example, of the farmers and then providing a toolkit for them that helps uh, them reaching the sustainability targets and the solution that we develop based on the data. They should build on each other, they should be competitive, compatible and they should also demonstrate the clear advantage and benefits for the farmers. And finally, Celia, what would you say is the most important thing? 
I would say that we really need to improve the data that we have and also how we use it to understand food systems, to understand the, the really complex dynamics, synergies, trade-offs within our food system. So look beyond specific food products and uh, specific efficiency metrics and really uh, develop a better understanding that we can then use for a systems approach in, in food policy in, in the EU. Great, thanks. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank the panelists for some really interesting insights there. And also thanks to the audience for following along, spending your afternoon with us and asking some great questions. I think there's been a lot of food for thought presented during this panel and how data is going to interact with uh, the food sector and in particular the dairy sector and definitely really learned a lot of interesting things about how the data is already being used. Uh, so thanks so much for you guys at following at home and be sure to tune in for the next EA Debates. Take care.